At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the sports betting network. If you're in the central time zone, a happy new year to you. If you're out there on the East Coast, well, it's been the new year for a year. And if you're out here in lovely Las Vegas, we still got two hours to go. But it is a Greg Peterson experience right here on VEASAN, the Sports Betting Network. And I get to be sort of the Ryan Seacrest of VEASAN tonight in that I get to welcome you into the new year, which I will always take that. My girlfriend asked me, why would you want that? The only answer I could give is, why wouldn't you want to be the Ryan Seacrest of the network? I mean, come on. It's absolutely terrific, and we do have a terrific show for you. Here in the first segment, we're going to be taking a look back at the college football playoffs, setting up what we are going to be seeing with regards to college football playoff because we do have opening lines out, so I'll be giving my thoughts there. And we'll be talking a lot about the bowl games that we do have for New Year's, more in the final hour of the show. So we're going to be sort of going with college football in the front and in the back. In the middle, we're going to be going with a whole lot of college basketball. We've got a great card that is going to be coming up for Saturday, including a pair of undefeateds going at it in the conference of the Big 12. So that is going to be absolutely superb. So we've got a lot of that going on. We're going to mix in a little bit of NBA along the way as well. So we've got a lot planned. But when it comes to what we wound up seeing in college football on Saturday, certainly it was the two favorites that didn't just wind up winning. They wound up winning very comfortably as it was Alabama in the early game, taking down Cincinnati by a count of 27-6. So regardless of when you wound up laying the number with Alabama, you were able to get in there. And then for the Georgia versus Michigan game, well, unfortunately for our good friends, Michigan, they just were unable to put up a fight in this one. It was a very demonstrative final here as 34-11. to Georgia was able to get it done. And I would say the most surprising thing, out of these two games was just the way that the Georgia offense was able to look because I thought that it was going to be a case of which Michigan was probably going to score like 10 to 14 points is sort of what I was thinking. So this Michigan offensive performance was very far from a surprise. I thought that this was going to be more of a first team to wind up getting 21 was going to win sort of game, but Stetson Bennett, 20 of 30, he wound up putting up three touchdowns. And this is a Georgia offense that, they have had their question marks. They were going up against a Michigan defense that has been good all year long. And for Michigan, you just did not wind up having it with Caden McNamara. I was saying when I wound up taking Michigan with seven and a half points, that was not necessarily a good call. I wanted to redeem myself with Alabama laying the points. But the reason why I was getting behind Michigan is because 
I thought that it was going to be a case in which Cade McNamara was going to come out, do a solid job, not turn the ball over, just sort of be like the waiter at a fine restaurant, just do everything humanly possible to accentuate everything around him and just not screw it up. And he screwed it up with a pair of interceptions, and it was so bad that he did not wind up finishing the game. So that was not necessarily what you wanted to see. And for Georgia, they did a very good job with all their running backs of being able to get things going. You wound up having James Cook get a couple carries in this game. Zimir White was a little bit more of the bell cow guy with 12 running backs. But I mean, all in all, I think that six different guys wound up getting at least a carry in this game. Buck 90, five and a half yards per carry. So they utilize that very effectively. You wound up having the Brazzle Dazzle play with Kenny McIntosh being able to get a touchdown as well. So it was just Georgia having an absolutely superb game plan. And Kirby Smart, I mean, we're going to call it what it is. He's one of the best coaches right now in college football going. I feel like he gets a little bit of a lack of credit for everything that he's done. So many people reference the fact that Georgia hasn't won a national title since 1980. But you take a look at what Kirby Smart has been able to do here at Georgia, and he has been absolutely superb. And we can't poo-poo what wound up happening with Michigan as well. This is a team that coming into the year, there were very low expectations. Jim Harbaugh, I don't know if he was necessarily on the hot seat. I don't know if that's necessarily the proper way of putting it, but there was restlessness. There was a lot of restlessness. There were a lot of people I was hearing like, why is Jim Harbaugh still here? What has he done for us? And I mean, even though Michigan winds up losing this game, you can't be too ashamed if you're a fan of either the Big Ten or Michigan in general for what wound up happening. Now, certainly you're hoping for a little bit of a better performance in this game, but when it comes to Michigan, they wind up having themselves a very rock solid season. And then, I mean, could you really bet against Nick Saban being able to get multiple weeks to prepare? Cincinnati, you could tell that they were just completely outclassed from the outset. This is pretty much what I thought was going to be happening. I had a little bit of a lean to the under, did not wind up betting that, wound up taking Alabama, laying 13 and a half, because I legitimately thought I was on the lookout at the same time as this show, 1 a.m. Eastern to 4 a.m. I legitimately thought when we wound up seeing Alabama pop to 14 at a couple spots that you needed to take it right then. I thought that there was no way humanly possible that the line was going to be moving in favor of Cincinnati. And instead, this wound up being a line in which you were able to catch it at 12 and a half in some spots, which I have no idea what people were seeing in Cincinnati because, I mean, Desmond Ritter, there's a lot of buzz about him being a first-round pick. He's a solid quarterback, but he's not necessarily a game-changer. I thought that if anyone was going to need to have a big game in this one, it would have to be Jerome Ford, and he needed it as part. 15 carries, 77 yards. Nothing great, nothing terrible there, but for Alabama, Bryce Young showed why he was the Heisman Trophy winner. He did wind up having that interception, but threw for three touchdowns, but under the radar as well. Brian Robinson Jr., who, if I remember correctly, he was a little bit banged up in that SEC title game. He went off for over 200 yards, and this is really a, I think the proper way of putting this is undervalued weapon. I think that that's the best way of being able to put it because, I mean, this guy has been absolutely tremendous when he's been fully healthy out there. When he winds up getting carries, he always produces for Alabama, and that's just Alabama in a nutshell. You try to take away one thing with Alabama, and they're just going to hit you with something else. It has been absolutely insane what this program has been able to do. I mean, you take a look at Alabama, and they wind up having just Jameson Williams not get a catch really in the early part of the game. He winds up ending up with seven catches for 62 yards. So if you wind up taking his player prop, you are probably looking really, really not great at the outset if you wind up taking that. But 
Certainly he was able to get his towards the back half of this game. But when it comes to Cincinnati, you could tell that this was a defense that they were a little bit overwhelmed. They were just, I think that the proper way of putting it is not on the same level as Alabama. You do fear that this is going to hurt power five or teams outside the power five moving forward. But I mean, it just is what it is. Alabama is pretty much and Georgia are on another level. I thought that way coming into this. I would have personally put Alabama at number one and Georgia at number two going into this. I mean, it really doesn't make any difference because I mean, either way, the game would have been played in the same location. It just would have been a difference of the jersey color in that Georgia versus Michigan game. But we're going to call it what it is. The SEC is in front of every other conference out there in college football. And I do feel like when it comes to college football conferences, the Big Ten has been able to show itself relatively well in recent years, but Ohio State probably would have had the best chance of anyone, and we really saw their wards come about. We are going to be seeing Ohio State, by the way, on January 1st to be able to ring in the New Year, so that is going to be a very fascinating game. I'll be breaking down that one in the final hour. I'll give you guys my pick on that, but when it comes to Alabama and Georgia, I think that you're going to have yourself an absolutely tremendous matchup as if you're taking a look at the early lines that wound up coming out at the conclusion of both of the college football playoff games. Right now, you're seeing a line of two and a half popping with your total anywhere between 51 and a half and 52 and a half. So we are waiting on a little bit of movement there because we're seeing some 51 and a half. We're seeing right now like at DraftKings 52 and a half with Georgia being the favorite. And I think that this is just really intriguing because... I think that Alabama just has Georgia's number a little bit when it comes to Stetson Bennett. I did like what I wound up seeing out of him in this one, but you saw with Georgia, they were able to do a good job with their balanced run game against Michigan, but Alabama having Brian Robinson Jr., who in the SEC title game, he was okay. You could tell that he wasn't necessarily fully 100%. I think that he's going to be a big giant X factor. And when it comes to when it comes to Mr. Young over there for Alabama, he is just the best player in all of college football right now, and you just can't go against Nick Saban. I wound up giving some flowers to Kirby Smart and everything that he's done. He's one of the best coaches in all of college football. But, I mean, if we are going to set up a tier system, Nick Saban is here. Literally every other human on the face of the planet Earth is right here, and then it just goes down and down and down from there. I mean, we're just going to call it what it is. That is the way that the coaching hierarchy right now is in college football. Until Nick Saban winds up retiring, he is head and shoulders above everyone else. And you can call it what it is, but I mean, that's just what he's been able to do right now. And that's an Alabama team that has recruited really well. Now, Georgia, to their credit, they have brought in some amazing athletes. This is a defense that time and time again, really other than they came against Alabama, has been able to hold up. But I mean, against Alabama, they looked very mortal in that game as well. So I do think that Georgia is really going to be up against it. I think that it's going to be a little bit of a replay of what we wound up seeing in that SEC title game when we wound up seeing Alabama just come out. They were able to pretty much drain all hope from Georgia. Now with the total, I think that this is a little bit more intriguing because you did see Alabama wind up being able to get 41 points in that first game. I could see a little bit more of what we wound up seeing out of Alabama in the in the college football playoff in that they wind up scoring more like a 27 to 30. So I do think that there could be a little bit of value here on the under, but in terms of the money line, we haven't seen a whole lot of places pop up with regards to a money line. That's what I'm taking a look at right now with regards to Alabama. I think that they should be able to win this game outright. If you're taking a look, there are some places that have a right around 
a plus 120, plus 125. I think I'm seeing as good as a plus 130. So obviously shop around if you, like me, think that Alabama should be able to win this game outright. But I do think that Alabama on the money line is the right side in this one. Typically, you always want to be gauging revenge and everything like that as well. But revenge only works when you wind up having two comparable teams. And right now, I just think that Alabama is by far the best team in college football. They want to put, being able to put that on display against a Cincinnati team that had not lost all season long. You could say what you want about them not being a power program, but I mean, they went into Notre Dame. They were able to get a win. They just looked so good in every single game that they wanted playing in Alabama was able to just put them by the wayside. I think that they're going to be able to do that to Georgia for the second time in two months. So I think that that's where things sit with regards to me, with regards to college football playoff and we got to take a look at some of the other action that we wound up seeing on Friday. That's up next right here on the Greg Peterson Experience on VEASAN, the Sports Bank Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare you're experiencing hoops peterson himself on vsin the sports betting network Welcome back. This segment of the Greg Peterson Experience is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches. It is a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without the baggage of cigarettes. Dip or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray. No more spit cups. No more batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like spearmint, citrus, wintergreen, and many more. For your convenience, each variety comes with two strengths. That way you can find the satisfaction level that is perfect for you. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch and can be found at 100,000 plus locations nationwide. And that's never been easier to find your Zen. So head over to Zen slash find to be able to locate a store that is nearest you. That is ZYN.com slash find. Warning, this is a product that contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. As we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience with myself, Greg Peterson. We took a look at everything that we wound up seeing in the terms of the college football playoff. And in the final hour, we're going to be hitting on all these bowl games that we're going to be seeing on January 1st to be able to ring in the new year. And yeah, at that time, we're going to be ringing in the new year. So that's going to be absolutely terrific. But how about if we take a little bit of a look at the NBA? Because we did wind up seeing some fascinating stuff that wound up going down. And I wound up coming on the look at it. And I said that when it comes to the Cleveland Cavaliers, who has been an absolute cash cow for you right now, depending on where you look, this is a team that wound up being right around 25 and 10 against the spread going into their game that we wound up seeing on Friday. 
They wound up getting dump trucked as this is a team that all of a sudden has been depleted in the backcourt. You wind up having the Atlanta Hawks get a 121-118 win with the Cavaliers as a very slight favorite in this game. And I do feel like with all the injuries that currently you have with the Cleveland Cavaliers, it's going to be a case in which if you've made a lot of money on the Cleveland Cavaliers, now is the time to cash out. Now is the time to stop betting on them, at the very least, until they wind up getting their full complement of pieces out there. Because Ricky Rubio, as we know, he is on, he is, I was about to say on injured reserve, but that's a football reference, but he's on for the year. They are not going to be utilizing him anymore. This is a Cleveland Cavaliers team that all of a sudden, they are in massive transition. Now, the good news is they were able to get Kevin Love going for 35 points in this game, but with regards to Cleveland Cavaliers, it's a case in which I felt like even before the injury to Ricky Rubio, that bookmakers would start to adjust a little bit with regards to Cleveland Cavaliers. I mean, the fact that they wanted covering, what was it, 14 games in a row? That's just absolutely ridiculous. I mean, once in a while, you'll see that in college basketball. We wound up seeing the Drake Bulldogs do something similar to that last year, but that's a case of which, for one, you've got college kids who, I mean, the difference between the top team and the bottom team in college basketball is darn near 50 points. I mean, you put Gonzaga versus Mississippi Valley State on a neutral court, and you're going to see some very big differentials there. So it causes for a little bit more room for error. And when you just wind up having 358 teams rather than in the NFL, 32 other major sports leagues, right around 30-ish, give or take a little bit, depending on what league you're looking at, it does cause for, in terms of like college football, college basketball, there to be a little bit more of an outlier with a team that winds up getting hot. You just don't see brunts like this when it comes to professional sports. So I figured that the bookmakers were going to be catching up to this to begin with. But now you just take a look at the Cleveland Cavaliers backcourt. I mean, really, the lone guard that they wound up having start this game was Kevin Pangos. Kevin Pangos is a guy that I loved at Gonzaga. Kevin Pangos should not be starting in the NBA. He and his... One and a half points per game. I mean, good grief. He's literally my age, 28 years old, and is officially a rookie because he wound up playing overseas for many, many years. And you just take a look at this Cleveland Cavaliers team. They have no guards. I mean, the fact that they wound up being as competitive as they were against the Atlanta Hawks today, I think is actually a feat in and of itself because the Hawks wound up having to go on a 40-22 to run in the third quarter to be able to win this game. But... I mean, the Cleveland Cavaliers are probably going to have a tough time at the free throw line. Now, to the credit of the Cleveland Cavaliers, when it comes to Evan Mobley, he is one of the more versatile big men that you're going to find in the NBA. He, in this game, wound up being able to dish out five assists and actually led the team along with Isaac Okoro with regards to assists in this game. So you've got some redeeming qualities there. The big men, they are able to, at the very least, give you a little bit of shiftiness, I think is the right term to be able to put that, but... Amen. The Cleveland Cavaliers three-point shooting is all of a sudden going to be going in a rut because Kevin Love can't go 7-14 in every single game. So that certainly is something that I think is going to be worth noting. If you've been making money on the Cleveland Cavaliers, and boy, oh boy, there's been a lot of money to be made now that you're dealing with this. Darius Garland is currently dealing with injury. Colin Sexton is dealing with injury. I mean, man. Until you wind up getting some of those guards back for the Cleveland Cavaliers, I think that there's going to be a lot of value in fading them the next few weeks because you just felt like there was going to be an adjustment made. Now it just has been sort of forced into it, and I think that this is going to be a Cavaliers team that is going to be finding themselves in a big, giant rut. If you're looking for value, you should really be feeling good that the LA Lakers were able to do what they wound up doing on Friday. They wind up just completely dump trucking the Timberwolves by or the Trailblazers by kind of 139 to 106. 
LeBron James wound up going off in this game, 43 points. He is now on his longest career run of 30-plus points as player props are continually being put up right around like 28 to 30. Coming into this game at DraftKings, I was seeing at 38 and a half. When I was doing the look at, he certainly was able to get there. So he has been able to do his part. But when it comes to Lakers, you're not going to have them going 19 of 41 on any given night. Now, this is a good spot for them as well because the Trailblazers may have been quite banged up. Damian Lillard wound up having 18 points in this game. They did have Ben McLemore come off the bench for 28 points. So, I mean, you had that positive for this team, but the Trailblazers are looking like a fade right now. Now, when it comes to the LA Lakers, this has been the worst team against the spread in all the NBA, and I think that that's going to continue. I think that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to utilize what we wound up seeing on Friday, being like, oh, the Lakers are back. They're going to be able to make this just big, giant Herculean run, and there's just no run that's going to be had with this team. You've got a bunch of pieces that they don't mesh together. When you wind up having a hot three-point shooting night from a few guys, yeah, it's going to masquerade the stench of this L.A. Lakers team, but it's still a team that I think is going to be in for a very long time or a very rough time. And you did have Carmelo Anthony come off the bench. He went four of seven from three-point range, but that guy's a little bit of a roulette wheel at this point, a guy that is now 37 years old. He's been able to shoot right around 38.5% from three-point range, but he was always a guy that back when he was with the New York Knicks and the Denver Nuggets, I always called him Black Hole Carmelo Anthony in that the ball, whenever it wound up coming to him, it wasn't coming back out. And I think that there's going to be some selfishness that winds up coming in for him with regards to Russell Westbrook. He did wind up having a masterful performance in this one. He was able to give the team a triple-double, but there are a lot of nights where the Russell Westbrook experience isn't necessarily so bright and rosy, and LeBron James, I mean, we could just give all the credit to him. I mean, this guy has been absolutely tremendous recently for the LA Lakers. He winds up having 43 points in this one. He wound up being able to shoot 50% from three-point range, and legitimately is having one of his best three-point shooting seasons of his career. He's now shooting a little bit over 37% with what we wound up seeing on Friday. So and you give him all the credit in the world, but when it comes to this Lakers team, it's just sort of a mismatch of pieces, I think is the right way to be able to put it. You've been having Anthony Davis, just as always happens with Anthony Davis. He winds up getting hurt. I mean, one of the greatest talents that we have seen in quite a long time, but I mean, it feels like every single time we're seeing the best of Anthony Davis, he is on the shelf. It is very, very unfortunate to see. And when it comes to just gauging the NBA as well, you got to be noting that there's probably going to be a lot more guys that we wind up seeing that are going to be unfamiliar. I was poking fun at the fact that we wound up seeing Kevin Pangos wind up playing at the guard position for the Cleveland Cavaliers. But earlier in the week, we wound up seeing some historic, a historic moment when it came to Greg Monroe and him being able to play in the NBA because he was the 543rd different player that wound up sitting up in the NBA. That is a record for most NBA players used in a season in the history of the league. So when it comes to being able to gauge these teams, we know that there's going to be a lot of teams that are going to be going through COVID-19 concerns. There have already been a few games that wound up getting postponed. I know that Draymond Green was not happy to say the least with the Golden State Warriors having their game postponed against the Denver Nuggets about 24 hours ago. So we've had a lot of those sort of things wind up going down. But I mean, that is going to be sort of the nature of the beast at this point. And it has actually led to a lot of value when it comes to these underdogs because a lot of these teams that we thought coming into the year that they were going to be the big bad bullies, that they were going to be able to run and hide, they haven't necessarily been able to do so much this year because of everything that we've wound up seeing. And typically, just in watching the NBA, this is a time of year in which it feels like a lot of these top teams, they sort of 
put their foot off the gas a little bit. They wind up not necessarily having as much concern for these games in December. They wind up, and I air quotes here, flipping the switch a little bit more towards those spring months. But if you take a look at underdogs in the NBA and how they've been able to do over the last 30 days, they are currently 108-88-3 against the spread. That is a hit rate of about 55%. And as we know, unders were very hot in the NBA to start out the year. Things have been able to normalize a little bit more. Over the last three days, we have seen a little bit of a tick up to the over. That would be 102 overs and 93 over and 93 unders in the last three days. So we certainly have seen things reverse itself. Guys, just in general, I've gotten used to the new fouling rules, not being able to draw as much contact. But you've also just seen the bookmakers wind up doing a solid job of being able to mix and match with regards to these numbers, be able to shade up where needed, be able to shade down where needed. These bookmakers, they know what the heck they are doing, so we haven't seen as much of a trend with that recently. Something that we are seeing, though, is a whole lot of college basketball on the slate for Saturday, so we're going to be hitting on the big one with regards to two undefeated out there in the Big 12 next, right here on the Great Peterson Experience on Beeson, the Sports Bank Network. This is the Greg Peterson Experience on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. If you miss any part of our show or anything on the VSIN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcast. Catch replays of all of our shows and download them on your schedule. This is at VSIN.com slash podcast. For every year podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, what have you, you're able to get there, beating the book with Gail Alexander, Market Insights with Josh Applebaum, along with Hardwood Handicappers, the Lombardi line, follow the money, and you've got something called Coast to Coast Hoops with Greg Hoops, Peterson, and many more. They're all free and available to download now. Beeson.com slash podcast or every year podcast says that Coast to Coast Hoops podcast is going to be uploading when I am actually on air. As it is the Greg Peterson experience right here at, on Beeson, the Sports Bank Network, every day, midnight Pacific, 3 a.m. Eastern. Coast to Coast Hoops is up. I break down every single game on the college basketball betting board every single day. I always try to be able to give you as much as I humanly can on this program as well. I typically am able to give it, go into a little bit more depth sense with having to do every single game every single day it does cause for sometimes you need to cut out a little bit of what winds going into it because or else it would be like seven hours long i would not have it up at midnight pacific time heck i might not have it up at all so that would not necessarily be too be too great but we've certainly got to be hitting on one of these big ones that we're going to be having on this college basketball Saturday, on this college basketball New Year for that matter, as we're going to be beginning here with 623-624. Pair of undefeated teams, Baylor, Iowa State, going to be doing battle. Right now, we're seeing a straight seven with Baylor being the favorite here at Circa. Pretty much everywhere else, I'm seeing seven and a half. Your tallest game is anywhere team 131 and a half and 132, and I think that this is going to be really intriguing because you've got a pair of teams that have been just flat out dominant when it comes to defense. Baylor, one of the top defenses in all of college basketball when it comes to points allowed on a per-possession basis. But T.J. Altsberger has this Iowa State team playing really well. As a matter of fact, in terms of points allowed on a per-possession basis, Iowa State is number two in the country. Baylor's number four. Here's how good the Big 12 is, by the way. Four out of the top seven teams are in the... Four of the top seven teams with regards to points allowed on a per-possession basis are from the Big 12. You've got Texas Tech at seven. You've also got Texas at number three. So, I mean, that just tells you how good this conference is in general with regards to their defense. But when it comes to Iowa State, 
this team has let's call it what it is not necessarily played the world's greatest schedule but i mean they look very impressive when they wanted being able to get that win against memphis and then you do take a look at baylor this is a team that they completely dump trucked villanova they went on the road they were able to survive that good test against oregon and when it comes to the line that we're seeing right now pretty much what they're saying is that iowa state is sort of on the same wavelength that we wound up seeing with oregon it was a line that wound up opening up at a close more around like a six and a half to a seven ish depending on where you look and i just can't agree with that this is an iowa state team that i can understand having your question marks with regards to the schedule that they played it's a big reason why i can't wind up taking iowa state outright in this spot but i made this line four and a half personally i think that iowa state is going to be up for the task here it's an iowa state team that is solid not necessarily great from three point range you shoot as a collective about 35 percent for distance and what has really been key for iowa state is what you've got with regards to in my opinion the most underrated freshman in all of college basketball that'd be tyrese hunter not a guy that's going to go out and shoot threes he shoots sub 30 percent from three-point range but they will give this team like four assists chips in their 10 points he gives you two plus steals per game he has really been one of the engines that has made this defense go meanwhile for baylor my big concern with this team free throw shooting they shoot about 67 percent at the free throw line they are not good there You've got a couple guys like Adam Flagler. They're able to knock them down. And what I think is also interesting as well, he should be good to go in this one, but you want to be checking in on this status. Top scorer LJ Cryer did wind up missing the team's last game. So that is something that I do think you want to be, at the very least, noting, making sure that, all right, all the T's are crossed and the I's are dotted because I do think that that would be very, very bad if he does not wind up playing in this game i think that he was just sitting out due to rest and everything like that he was dealing with a little bit of a foot issue but he should be good to go in this one but got a question if he's going to be 100 or not and then you've got kendall brown who's been able to do a good job as a freshman coming in for this baylor team he's been able to get the team right around 13 and a half points per game and crier along with what you've been able to get out of brown both of these guys shooting above 45 percent for three point range so they have been incredibly impressive in that aspect now i thought you would say this isn't a team that necessarily as terrific size but you've got mr kunich down though he winds coming in from washington state he's been able to get the team right around four and a half boards guy with versatility he's been able to do a solid job for baylor they're gonna have the best i guess you could call them true post players you've got flo thombos able to give you a block per game jonathan chama joshua just the energizer bunny down low how about eight and a half points eight and a half rebounds he is certainly going to be able to do a solid job there, but I do like Isaiah Brockington as well, a guy that's shooting darn near 40% from three-point range. It will give this Iowa State team right around 17 points, chips in their multiple assists, does a good job of being able to generate some seals, and both of these teams, with regards to seals, force on a per-possession basis, two of the best defenses in college basketball. I do think that this is a game that comes down to late game following, so even though you've got two tremendous defenses and a pair of offenses that they do have their warts, I did wind up saying this little more around 134 and a half. So I do take a look at the spot. I do take a look at the over, but with regards to Baylor, should they win this game? Absolutely. I have wound up saying them as four and a half point favorite. Getting north of a touchdown here with Iowa State, in my opinion, is just disrespectful. I mean, we wound up seeing Iowa State get disrespected on their home floor against Iowa. They wound up dump trucking them. I would love to see that happen once again. I love what TJ Otzelberger is doing with Iowa State. Don't think that they win the game outright, but certainly willing to take the points when it comes to this game. We've also got another Big 12 game that's going to be going down very early. This one is a 9 a.m. Pacific noon Eastern tip as you've got West Virginia and Texas. This is going to be towards the top of the board for you. 609-610 as Texas. They are back to being a relatively sizable favorite at 8.5 points in your total loss game. 
Aaron between 121 and a half at DraftKings right now. I'm seeing a straight 122 and a half. But when it comes to this game, I do think that Texas should be able to control this one. Now, Marcus Carr has been a hot mess. No fans are butts about it. He has come into Texas. He's averaging right around like nine points per game. And he's just not a fit in general with this offense. I'm just really curious why Marcus Carr decided, you know what? We're going to go to Texas. And why Texas was like, yeah, Marcus Carr, this is a great fit. A guy that needs a ball in his hands at all times. Just as the Carmelo Anthony type in which he's going to try to put up 17 points and 17 shots. That just is the game of Marcus Carr. You wind up seeing the best of him. You wind up seeing the worst of him. I just don't understand where the fit is coming from with this one. But with that said, it is what it is. But when it comes to Texas, I think that they're going to be able to do a good job of having their versatile big man being able to be able to fire on all cylinders because you do have Timmy Allen along Trey Mitchell. Mitchell is standing six foot nine. Shooting right around 41% from three-point range. Both of these guys give you double figures. Both of these guys chip in their five-plus rebounds per game. And for West Virginia, this has been a very good defense in and of its own right. They have allowed 60 points or fewer, and now six out of their last seven games. So they have certainly put the clamps down. And for West Virginia, it has been a dramatic tempo shift with regards to this team. I mean, it's never like West Virginia has necessarily been a blazer and been in, like, the top 30 with regards to possessions or per game or anything like that. But for West Virginia... 277 with regards to possessions per game right now. So they have certainly slowed things down. Texas, they are 348. So you've got two snails. But I do think that this is a game in which Texas is going to be able to run and hide a little bit. I do think that Texas is going to be able to do a good job of being able to force steals. Because you take a look at Texas with regards to turnovers force on a per-possession basis. This is one of the best teams out there in all of college basketball. It's Texas, they are currently clocking in at number nine. They are actually, ironically enough, tied with Texas A&M with that aspect. And then for West Virginia, they rank eighth on that list. So both of these defenses do a good job of being able to force turnovers. I think that Texas is going to be able to do a little bit of a better job of being able to control the ball with Marcus Carr's struggles. We have seen a little bit more of Devin Askew, who winds coming in from Kentucky. He's been able to do a nice job in the minutes that he's been able to show. And for West Virginia, they are going to have the best score out there in Taz Sherman. The Tasmanian double has been able to give you right around 20 points per game. He's been able to do his part there, but it comes to West Virginia. Gabe Obashon with his five rebounds per game is right now leading the way along with Jalen Bridges. So that, I think, is going to be a big issue for them. I think that Texas is going to be able to win this game down low. I think that Texas wins from within. I wound up saying them more around a 10-point favorite, so I'm willing to lay it here. And with Texas, you've got good three-point shooting. I think all the turnovers that are committed in this game are going to lead to some run-out layups as well because with Texas, what they do a good job of is being able to force live ball turnovers. That sets up fast breaks to be able to get easy buckets. So wind up setting this total quite a bit higher. I'm going to be taking a look at the over. I've got a total more around a 128 in this spot. So I think that you've got some relatively good value there. And I'm willing to lay up to 10 here when it comes to Texas. And with the Big 12 in general, it's a very good slate for this conference as another game that I think is a little bit off the beaten path, but it really shouldn't be because I do think that both of these teams are going to be able to have themselves relatively solid seasons. That would be the Kansas State versus Oklahoma game. This is a little bit of a ways down the board as right now you're finding Oklahoma right in the neighborhood of about an 8 to an 8.5 point favorite. I think that this is going to be one of the more intriguing games that we do wind up seeing on this college basketball Saturday because when it comes to Kansas State, they have been able to have Nigel Pack really be able to 
pack it in with regards to the points as if you're looking at the rotation number that is 715 716 and we'll be setting that up for our next segment because i do think that this is a very good one to be able to take a look at and then you've got a big 12 team that's going to be playing a very strange out of conference matchup that is going to be the centerpiece of my new york post play of the day so we're going to be giving you guys that next right here on the greg peterson experience on visa the sports playing network At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. We have a new prop tracker now available at vsin.com for you to be able to keep up with all the key NFL props. Head over to vsin.com to get current odds as well as movement each week to be able to follow the trends and find the best value. You're able to do this for odds to be able to win MVP, Coach of the Year, Rookie of the Year, and so much more. Check out prop tracker, betting splits, key trends, and matchup data for every single game now at vcin.com slash NFL. So we're back here on the Greg Peterson Experience with myself, Greg Peterson. We're taking a look at the Big 12 games that we've got on this college basketball Saturday. Going to be revealing my New York Post play of the day in a few minutes because it is out there in the Big 12. But when it comes to this Kansas State versus Oklahoma game, I want to putting this line at eight myself. Now with the eight, I'd be willing to take the points before I'd be willing to lay the points in. I am seeing a couple straight ANFs that have wound up popping out there as well. So I'm currently waiting on a little bit of line movement because if we wind up seeing more ANFs, I'd be willing to take that. If we wind up getting really lucky with a nine, that'd be terrific. Meanwhile, if the line mine's just going down, down, down to like a seven or something like that, then I'd be willing to lay it a little bit more with Oklahoma. But this is a Kansas A team that I personally did not wind up having a lot of expectations for coming into the year. Honestly, I thought that we Kansas State and Iowa State who would be bringing up the rear in this conference, but I think that there's no fans or buts about it. This is currently the best conference in all of college basketball. It has shown itself to be that thus far. And when it comes to Oklahoma, it's going to be really interesting to see what sort of a tempo we wind up getting out of the team moving forward because Porter Mosier always has been a slow and controlled guy. But when it comes to Oklahoma, though they have slowed things down a little bit this season, it's not like they're playing at any sort of a snail's pace. This season, they're ranking in the 200s when it comes to possessions per game. So certainly a team that has been sort of in the middle of what Porter Mosier wants. You can tell that he doesn't necessarily have his 
full personnel that he necessarily wants, but he does have some of his guys. He's starting to build a little bit of a foundation there. Meanwhile, this is a Kansas State team that year in and year out. They are one of the slower teams in all of college basketball, but they've been really efficient recently when it comes to their three-point shooting. Pack, who I wanted to mention a little bit earlier, Nigel Pack, he shoots right around 44% from three, but on top of that, you've got Sultan Miguel along with Mark Smith. Both of these guys wind up combining to be able to give you right around 18 points per game. They combined to shoot 36% from three-point range, so they've been rock solid there. And what has been really good for Kansas State, among their top five scores, four of them shoot at least 73.5% the free throw line, so these guys have been able to do a nice job there. And then you've got Ismail Moussad, who is someone that's saying six for nine. They will give you 7.7 points, four and a half rebounds. He has been a solid about 36% three-point shooter. Tanner Groves, the six-foot-ten combo player for Oklahoma, has been relatively solid. But we have seen Oklahoma wind up struggling with teams that do like to slow it down. You may recall that overtime loss that they wound up having on their home floor to Butler. So Oklahoma does a good job of being able to disarm a little bit more faster teams. Meanwhile, teams that play at their tempo, they always seem to fare a little bit better. At eight, I'd be waiting on a little bit of a line move personally, but I'd be willing to take the points rather than lay them at this point. So we're waiting on a little bit of something here. At the very least, I am. <laughs> what you wind up doing, that is your own call. But I'm currently waiting on a little bit of a line move, hoping to see more ANS nines wind up popping with Kansas State. If eight is the best I can do, eight is the best I can do. But we're going to be waiting a little bit on this one. But when it comes to the total, it is a situation which I wind up setting this total more in the neighborhood of the low 130s because I do think that we are going to get some late game following. I wind up setting it at a 130 and a half because I do think that Kansas State going to be able to hang in there, get a couple of shots. So looking at the over with this as well. And then my New York Post play today, it is based out there in the Big 12. How about a game that was added to the board a little bit at the last minute? 735, 736. George Mason is hoping that this game that winds up getting added does not wind up just getting pushed into the abyss, unlike the Wisconsin game, and they're finding themselves as a hefty underdog. 19 and a half point underdogs are George Mason, and your total on this game, you're finding it at a 145 and a half. If you're looking at good over teams, how about what Kansas has been able to do to the over thus far? They've played one game under the total, so I mean, it has been total domination when it comes to Kansas. Actually, 8 2 and 1 to the over. They did wind up playing. A little bit of a sneaky under a couple days ago, but they're 80% over rate. That is tied for second best out there in college basketball. Manhattan, Louisiana, Monroe, Columbia. Also either 8-2 or 8-2 and 1 to the over. The only team that has actually been better to the over this year, Princeton, if you could believe that. So it certainly has been a strange year out there in college basketball. Meanwhile, this is a George Mason team that they rely a lot on the three-point shot. This is a bunch of which they get over 40% of their points from made three-pointers that ranks in the top 30 in all of college basketball with regards to percentage. But what I think George Mason is going to do a good job of forcing Kansas into one and dunce. This is a George Mason team that they allow a rebound on 19% of opponents' misses. That ranks in the top 10 in all of college basketball, and that's been a big reason why George Mason has been able to have the success that they have had. They have already won two games against power conference teams. They went on the road. They knocked off Maryland, and they went on the road, and... Well, technically, it's a power conference win. They knocked off Georgia, but can we consider anything that is coached by Tom Crean to be powerful? I don't think so. I mean, it's really been a sad year. A Georgia team that lost on their home floor a few days ago to Gardner-Webb. Boy, oh boy, that is not good. But I mean, still, two power conference wins. You'll think um, uh, you can get them if you're George Mason. And for George Mason, this team has good versatility. I do like what they've been able to get out of Deshaun Schwartz, who winds coming in from Colorado. Double-digit score. 
He stands right around six foot seven, shooting about 36, 37 percent from three point range. Joshua Duro down low has been able to give you seven rebounds per game. And for Kansas, this has been a defense that has left a little bit of something to be desired with regards to points a lot on a per possession basis. They are outside the top 60 right now. Typically, not what you'd expect from the Bill Self team, but this is an offense that is firing at all cylinders. I mean, you just take a look at Remy Martin shooting nearly 40% from three-point range. O'Shea Obaji is 21.5 points per game. Have him in the running for being an All-American candidate, perhaps a Naismith Award winner as well if he can continue this. Obviously, he's got a little bit of work to do on some of these other players that have been having tremendous years, but I would consider his year in the top five in all of college basketball. He has been flat out to superb for this team. The big question I have is with the big man. I mean, we expected a lot out of David McCormick along with Jalen Wilson. Jalen Wilson wanted missing the first three games of the season. Both of these guys are giving you between five and a half and six rebounds per game. So it has been a little bit tough for them, but you do take a look at this Jayhawks team and Kansas has been able to do a great job whenever they've had a little bit of a step up. They were able to win that game against Nevada, holding them to fewer than 65 points. And it is always very difficult to step into the fog, but what I think is going to be very beneficial as well is the fact that you do have a coach that has sort of lived it as a player, Kim English. You may recall he actually played at Missouri back when Missouri was a part of the Big 12, so he knows all about this setting, and I think that that's actually going to be very big for George Mason in this game. The New York Post play of the day that I want up giving out is George Mason on the spread. I want up setting this as more around a 12.5 point spread, and then I do like the total as well. I do think that we're going to be seeing quite a few points in this game. George Mason, not necessarily an up-tempo team. They're certainly not a low and slow team either, though. And Kansas, they've been really stinking efficient when it comes to their offense. So I'm taking a look at the overset. My total more around 148.5. And when you're reading the New York Post tomorrow, you're going to be seeing in there George Mason to be able to lead off the calendar year of 2022. So let's hope that they can wind up getting it in there. And when it comes to the Big 12, we wind up running through pretty much all the games that we're going to be seeing on that front. But early on on Saturday, we're going to be seeing a big game out there in the Big East as well that I think is of intrigue. And you got a relative pick line here on this one between Creighton and Marquette. This is going to be at the top of the board for you guys. 6.05, 6.06, Marquette finding themselves anywhere between a one-point favorite to a one-point underdog with some pick winding up coming through as well. So this is a game in which you're literally able to shop around as to what team that you wind up liking, whether it be the money line or the spread, and then your turtle on this game, it is anywhere between 144 and a half and 145. And I don't understand why Marquette is currently an underdog at DraftKings, just because when it comes to this Marquette team, I know that this has been a team that has been a little bit shaky. They've been a tad bit lucky with regards to some of the games that they played. If you take a look at that game against Illinois, I mean, Andre Corbello pretty much gift drafted the game for this team, but I do think that Marquette has a good chance of being able to win this game quite comfortably. I want him saying them as a five-point favorite, and a big reason why is what you're able to get out of Daryl Marcel, one of the best on-ball defenders in all of college basketball, comes in from Maryland, shooting 38% from three-point range, has been able to give this team right around 13 and a half points per game. Now, Brian Kelkreiner, someone who's saying seven foot one, he's going to be a little bit of a force for Creighton, but for Creighton, this is a team that they shoot about 70% at the free throw line, only about 31 and a half percent from three-point range, so... They've been coming up a little bit bare there. This is a Crane team that typically they really like to crank up the tempo. Meanwhile, it's actually Marquette who's playing much more up-tempo right now than Creighton. Marquette is trying to play a little bit of the Havoc style that we wound up seeing with Shaka Smart back when he was at VCU. They're only generating right around 7.5 steals per game, but you can tell that they are starting to do a little bit of a better job with that. And Greg Elliott, 
is someone that I wanted missing the first few games of the season for Marquette. He is back in the fold. I think that he is going to be able to do some great things for the team moving forward as he's shooting right around 41% from three-point range. So I do think that there's some relatively solid value here with Marquette. I do think that Creighton is going to be trying to get back to their roots a little bit more with regards to their offense. I want to say my total at 145. I'm seeing some totals that are at 144 slash 144 and a half. So I'm going to be taking a look at an over in this spot, but to be able to lead off the day, I'm going to be taking a look at Marquette either as a very, very slight favorite or on the money line as an underdog. So that's what I'm taking a look at right now when it comes to college basketball with regards to some of these games. We're going to give you more on the other side right here on VSIN, Esports Betting Network. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare <laughs> 